Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello everybody and welcome along to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host Connor Clancy. I'm joined by Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello Connor. Um, I'm good. Um, how are you? I'm trying to trick you now. I don't know if you've noticed, but the last couple of weeks I've not asked how you are just to see what you do. You always answer yeah. anyway, um, but it, it's nice that you asked me back. I'm, I'm, I'm very well this week, just about. Thank you, Vito. Um sure i could hazard a guess as to why you're feeling quite good as well someone who perhaps isn't feeling as well as the two of us is mr kev pogzelski kev welcome back why am i not feeling as 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 well as you two you know it's valentine's night i've given up an early night with the wife to spend it with you two beautiful boys Um, (laughs) well i'm I'm flattered um i'm just thinking because Genoa missed a big opportunity to get a win, you know, and I know how hardly, how hard you take those results. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure if we should mention it or not, due to the fact that it's definitely going to put a date on the recording of the podcast. But we are recording on Valentine's Day, and I'm delighted to be spending it with with my two true loves. So, guys, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day to you both. <laughs> um, uh, thank right, you. we we kind of complained. I say we. I'm kind of projecting that onto you guys. I definitely complained last week that not an awful lot happened in Serie A. Kev, you didn't disagree with me, but oh my God, it didn't half make up for it this week, did it? Milan lost, Juve lost, Inter are top, Atalanta almost messed up at Cagliari. And what a week, what a week. But there's only one place to start, isn't there? Uh, well, where we, where we probably left the evening uh, between uh, Inter and Lazio, I imagine. Yeah, the, there are new leaders in Serie A and they are Inter after 22 games. is the first time Inter have been top of the Serie A title race after 22 games since Jose Mourinho's treble winning season. I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying 
that. It's a fact you can't dispute it. But Kev, I'm tempted to say what a performance, but was it a great performance or was it just Romelu Lukaku and a couple of others were in inspired form and drove into the victory? Well, yeah, uh, Lukaku was inspired. Um, Should say, Inter beat Lazio 3-1 tonight. Inter, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Lukaku beat Lazio 3-1. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that plain and simple that it was Lukaku's performance. But yeah, he, 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 he stood out, scored two goals, uh, set up the third. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you've, you've got to give credit to Lazio because I don't think they actually played mm. poorly. But there was just... Um, there was something assured about the victory or the performance, I should say, uh, you know, about Inter. It, there was never a moment of panic. Obviously, they, they did have a, they had the advantage, I was going to say, advantage of playing after everybody else, seeing hmm. Juve lose to Napoli, Milan slip up at Spezia. And from the very first whistle, they looked like they were on it. And as you as you alluded to earlier, you know, a couple of players look like, you know, the game changed, if you like, you know, the Brozoviches, the Barellas, they 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 looked like they were on it. They knew how big a victory tonight could be going into next week's derby that looks massive if they can win that and go four points ahead of Milan. Because that as well, people forget, would be probably the first time that Milan are, are chasing with a significant gap, obviously again, if into win next week that just one win wouldn't be enough for them. So it does make that game next week huge. It's huge, isn't it? I don't know the statistics in front of me, but when was the last time these two played a derby in the second half of the season as first and second in Serie A with with both very much looking like title contenders? But Vito, this was almost textbook Conte, right? Because Inter didn't dominate the possession. A lot of the common... Tree seems to focus on the fact that Lazio were perhaps outplaying Inter in the first half, but I thought it it played quite nicely into Inter's hands. They've got the likes of Barella, Hakimi, Lautaro, Lukaku, who are phenomenal players on the counter attack, and they were clinical, got the job done. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing with the big teams that even when things don't go their way, uh, they know how to obtain the result. But when you have players like Lukaku, uh, Lautaro and Barella and a few others who actually have some genuine quality, uh, they can really make a big difference. And in games like this, those are the top players that need to stand up. And uh, Lukaku in particular uh, showed up in a big game for once, which I think is very important for Inter, but also very important for him because it's not good to get a flat track bully tag. Being consistent is one thing, but uh, when the stakes are high and the pressure is on, the best players have to step up. And uh, uh, Lazio are a team that have been fighting for Europe, so Lukaku performing well in this game uh, is uh, a great thing. Yeah, not to mention the people who who often say he's a bit of a flat-track bully easily overlook the fact that he almost single-handedly turned around the derby last season when Inter were 2-0 down and he reversed it himself. There's that iconic photo, obviously, of him celebrating with the corner flag. Kev, on to Lukaku. He's 27 years old. He's the same age as me. And he scored 300 goals in his career. 300, right? Um, Inter put out a tweet in the style of an FIF tweet, I must add, um, curiously, saying, Big Rom, we've run out of adjectives. Can you help us out? So, Kev, Big Rom is... 
finish the sentence. Amazing. Oh, come on. You can do better than that, no? No, probably not. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, look, he, he got a penalty and uh, a poacher's goal, but to reduce his performance to that would to do him, would be to do him a great disservice because he was unstoppable for Lautaro's goal and he didn't need to pass it. But you could have put the whole city of Milan between him and the opposition goal. He was getting through it to, to make that happen. Lukaku, he's he's unplayable like this. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the easy um, the easy things to sort of go to are his strength, you know, his power. Ignore the size of the man. Ignore the you know the speed of the man. I think if he was three stone lighter, a yard or two slower, there was a determination about that run. As soon as he sort of he, he nudged it, about, I can't remember if it was Parola. I thought it was Parola for one second, but it might not have been. But as soon as he nudged it beyond the Lazio player, you just knew he was getting there. You know, mm. it was it was just it was just a determination in the run, not not any of his physical attributes that that, that won that foot race. It, you know, he just he was just he was just on it. And you know, last week we were talking about five hundred goals for Ibrahimovic. And you always put Ibrahimovic in with the likes of Ronaldo and Messi, and I think I suppose there's similarities with Lukaku, where they play for, if you like, lesser nations, you know, international nations, certainly lesser leagues. So they move at a very young age somewhere else. You know, mm. Lukaku started very young at Chelsea, and you know, it's, it's praise to him for getting to this many goals at, at 27 when he's still got probably a near decade if he can play as far as long as yeah, yeah. Uh, Ibrahimovic another decade to sort of keep putting these numbers up that's it right because he's he's only been playing at the top level well I suppose he kind of broke through at Ander like at what 16 so he's been yeah. about for a while but I mean I don't know our, our friends over at Semper Inter gave him a 9 out of 10 in the in their player ratings afterwards which I think says a lot. You know, nines are quite hard to achieve when it comes to the world of Italian football, as we all know, having done player ratings a fair few times in our past. But Vito, Christian Eriksen, I was quite surprised to see him starting this evening and he played very well. Turns out, over the last year, all he's needed was to to actually be put on the football pitch to show that he's a good footballer. Yeah, it's true. And uh, Holly... In the recent games, he seems to be playing better in a deeper role. So I'm not comparing him to Andrea Pirlo as a player, but if we're going to make comparisons, um, it's probably similar to when Antonio Conte was coaching Juventus nearly a decade ago and he was laying that those foundations for the latest domestic dominance Um Although he was using 3-5-2, had very dynamic midfielders. Uh, Pirlo was the one that was, uh, let's say, a bit slower than the others, but he had the football brain and the technical skills to still adapt and um, provide uh, something different in Juventus's play. Um, Ericsson is a natural attacking midfielder, perhaps, you know, uh, functioning in this team now in a standard 3-5-2, he could have that sort of role under Conte and uh, be able to just uh, control the play from deep or provide something extra because you have guys like Bozovic and Barella that are fantastic midfielders, but um, they're not number 10s. They offer 
different attributes to the team. Um, it's Italian football, right? So there, there was the, their fair share of controversy, even though there wasn't any controversial incidents. Um, strange night for, I, I suppose, the post-truth era, right? Because <laughs> there was a penalty given to Inter early on. At first, I hold my hands up, watched it on television, thought that's a fantastic tackle from Wesley Holt. Um, referee pointed to the penalty spot. Referee did, mind, not VAR. Um, it was checked on VAR and they said, go ahead, penalty. Um, people seem to lose their minds for about 20 minutes on Twitter before realizing that, okay, that there was uh, contact before the contact that everybody saw. And there was a, a fantastic tweet that I saw on Twitter in response to, um, it was ESPN put out clips saying, showing the point of contact between Hoth and Lautaro's leg before the ball was played. And a, a Milan fan, of course it's a Milan fan, right? Responded saying, wrong, he hit the ball first. And I mean, in the picture, you can clearly see that that's not the case. <laughs> and the response that I like is, just blatantly denying what's right in front of your eyes, quality content. And I just thought that sums up Twitter in 2021, right? People don't care what they're saying. They just tweet things. And Kev, I've I've got a theory for you now, right? And don't shoot me down straight away, but it's it's a theory. I've been thinking about it for quite a while, but I'm finally brave enough to say it. I think football fans just say things because of the team they support and not actually because of reality. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> that's more the case now with the the outlet they've got through social media. Um, I think when there was no social media, obviously, guys, you're going to go on about my age, um, <laughs> you know. But but you you know you, you could you could usually only die you know get your football by actually going to the stadium. You know, not even this many games were were, were televised, so the majority of what you saw was in the stadium. You'd walk out the stadium, you go to your pub, your club, walk down the street with the people that were going to the game, and you'd be discussing things, and you would say something stupid like that, and you'd get shouted down. And then you'd get in your car, you'd, you know, you'd get home and, you know, you're not going to overanalyze it and all this. Whereas now you're left with all these people that it's just like this tribalistic instinct to just mm. deny anything they see because they've got this platform to put it on and they don't get shouted down because they're not listening to it. They've not got their, you know, their, their uh, retweet, their, their, their messages and things on. And it's why I spend... A lot of time over the weekend just not looking at social media. Mm. If I choose to post something about a game I'm watching, it's in and I'm out. I try not to read too much of what people are putting out there because there's nobody. There's a, a lot of these people haven't got somebody physically with them to explain to them how stupid <laughs> they are being. And it's bizarre. And it's something I really struggle to get hold of in like 2021. Do you think it's an issue as well that people... There seems to be a, a need for people to have a say on everything that happens, right? So people will tweet something as soon as it happens so they can say they've had a say on it. And then if they're given more evidence that suggests their knee-jerk reaction wasn't correct, they'll think, no, but I've already said this, so I need to double down with this. I think the problem is there's some people out there that take pleasure in throwing that line out there. They see somebody put something stupid, they think, oh... I can put something else out there and I'll reel them in 
and mm. it will just snowball into this, you know, and it's getting clicks and it's getting all these other things. And as soon as you've, as soon as you've sort of got caught somebody and made them say something really stupid before, you know, it, it's got 5,000 retweets and, you know, people like yourself are seeing it when you probably don't even follow these people. Mm. Um, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Anyway, <laughs> stay off social media, people. That's what you've no, got to do. Go on. It's great fun. It's great fun. Apart <laughs> um, from our channels. <laughs> yeah, follow us, Serie IFFC on Twitter and Forza Italian Football on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but the, the Derby's next week, and ahead of the Derby, there is a new mural outside the San Siro on one of the walls that you walk up towards the stadium from, and it's what is surely to become an iconic image of when Ibra and Lukaku went head-to-head the other week. So that's nice. It's a shame I'm not going to get to see it in the flesh for quite a while, but this is the world we live in at the moment, unfortunately. Vito Lazio's winning run did come to an end, though. Um, They played quite well, though, so I I guess they shouldn't be too disheartened. I mean, they lost to Inter. It's not the end of the world. If Lazio were going to lose away to anyone this season, this was the kind of game you'd expect them to lose. Um, just overall, even if we're just talking about the quality of the players, uh, Inter do have a lot more at their disposal, whereas Lazio, they are reliant on quite a few key players. And you need those key players to be on song if they are to obtain a result or even win comprehensively. Um yeah, just moving forward, I don't think Simone Inzaghi and his players should be too disheartened by this result because Inter are indeed on top of the table. But uh, in the other games, you'd think that they've got enough uh, belief in their own abilities to keep on progressing and uh, keep on fighting for another spot in Europe. They should do, right? They're a quality team. We've seen it time and again. They've got... Sorry to say it, Vito, they've got Sampdoria at home next time out, so they will no doubt be looking to bounce back with a positive result there. Um, good luck with that one. We've got an email, guys, this week. We're not going to get to it right now, but it's, it's quite a nice email that I, I'm particularly fond of. But before we get there, we're going to talk about the reason, well, one of the reasons that Inter are top, and it's because Milan went away to Spezia on Saturday evening. And Spezia, look, we've been fans of them on this podcast for most of the season. And they finally got a result. I say finally, they beat Napoli and drew at Atalanta already this term, but they got another result that justifies our support of them. Spezia beat Milan 2-0. And Kev, I'll throw the question to you. Milan didn't have a shot on target. Not one shot on target. When do you think that last happened in a Serie A match? Oh, you're going to tell me. It's underwhelming. It's underwhelming. Oh, okay. Uh, three <laughs> games ago? <laughs> no, no, not quite that underwhelming. It was August 2019. This is a stat okay. that when I saw it, I was thinking, oh, if this is going to be a juicy one. You know, it's going to be from like 1962 or something or pre-war. But no, it was in fact about 15 months ago. <laughs> so it's oh. not that good, is it? <laughs> but still, Milan, the league leaders, humbled, humbled again at Spezia. What a game. Yeah, I, I kind of stupidly, although I was a bit after watching uh, Napoli, Juventus and everything else during the day, I decided, okay, Spezia, you know, they're not going to they're not gonna throw anything away. It's Milan. I can watch the game the day after and woke up to the news that uh, Milan had lost. But I watched the extended highlights and 
and you know unless either of you two watch more of the more of the match, Milan looked devoid of ideas from open play. I mean, you, you talk about the um, you talk about the, uh, the, the the lack of chances, and Vito just said he's watched the game. I think they they had two chances that were three chances that were headers that all came from from free kicks or corners. Other than that, there was, there was nothing from open play. It was all Spezia. Vito, you can jump in there. It was incredible how Spezia were able to compress the space and limit uh, Milan's options. Even when Milan would try and play the ball out from the back, once they got to the midfield, they just uh, found that uh, Spezia were able to clog their paths. Uh, Chalconoglu had a terrible game. He could not find any space or try to break the lines. He couldn't create any chances for the wingers or for Ibra up front. And uh, Ibra in particular, I don't think I have seen him drop back as much as he did in this game. Uh, the Spezia defence uh, defended that well that... Um, he had to drop back to either link up with teammates or even just win the ball back for his team because uh, he was barely getting any service. So from a Milan perspective, um, yeah, that that's just some of the things about why that game and performance was very poor from them. I think if you see this result as someone who's not necessarily been exposed to Spezia's football, you automatically think, okay, Spezia shut up shop parked everyone behind the ball for 90 minutes, got a goal early, and then nicked one on the break late on. But that really couldn't be much further from the truth. Spezia played some really nice stuff, as they have. They had 17 shots to Milan 7. They completed around 400 passes, as did Milan, and the possession was 46-54. It wasn't a smash and grab, and we're going to go back to something we might have mentioned in passing earlier in the season on the podcast, but it's Vincenzo Italiano and his his thesis when he was training to become a coach. Patrick Kendrick, um, our friend and Serie A commentator, is a big fan of Italiano's as well. And he tweeted out some of the more appealing quotes from it back in, I think it must have been September. So I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from Italiano from that. And then I'm going to throw it over to you, Vito, to just discuss, which is, Italiano says, now that I'm a coach, I feel it's ultimately essential that the players I coach are or become all playmakers, that they can all build play regardless of their position. And I always come back to the same question. How can I make it possible? Is it really possible working only with established players used to working in a certain way or by creating a constant learning process with repetition? By repetition, I mean, if I want my team to play good football, I need to make them play football. That must be music to your ears. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting theory. And uh, with the Italiano, it seems that uh, he has shown that he can develop players and convince them to play the football he wants. About this concept of uh, players wanting to all be registi or playmakers, um, Arrigo Sacchi did have that theory over 30 years ago when he was at Milan. And I'm pretty sure in his... uh, Biography's got that, or semi-autobiography, because he had a ghostwriter with it. Um, he did talk about that concept, and even in Jonathan Wilson's Inverting the Pyramid, there's a bit about that. But with Saki, um, he did have a lot of great players at AC Milan, and I still believe uh, Milan's early success in the Bellasconi era was down to 
Berlusconi spending on great players and Galliani finding that talent. Otherwise, Saki outside of AC Milan wasn't as great or this revolutionary that many people make him out to be. With Italiano, though, he's still in the early stages of his coaching career, but what he's showing so far, he can work with limited resources. He has been able to gain different promotions over the last few years with different clubs. He even got Trapani from Serie C to Serie B, and uh, he got the job at Spezia, brought Enzola from Trapani in the second half of the year, who's made a difference in the general campaign. And, um, yeah, with Spets here, they look like a chance to really seal their place for another season in Serie A. And Italiano is a fundamental part of that. Kev, uh, Italian, oh, you want to jump in? Well, I was just going to say on that. So I think the only thing that surprised me about the result was that if you've been watching Serie A regularly this year, you won't be surprised about how Spezia and Benevento have been playing. But mm. Spezia's home uh, form has been terrible. If anything, they've been picking up their results away from home, where you would expect a newly promoted side to go and maybe shut up shop and try and keep things keep things tight. Moving on to the point Vito was making, I think it was... Well, no, actually, I think it definitely was uh, Guardiola, who uh, Pep Guardiola, who once said that his ideal was... A team of, I think it's 10, it might even be 11, known Guardiola, a team of 10 midfielders. Yeah. And you can see that in some of the, you know, some of the way he plays. You know, he's used Javi Martinez as a centre-back, even though he came for Athletic Bilbao as a centre-half. The, the, the Kimmich and Lahm transitions between full-back and centre-midfielder, a bit the same with Alaba. And you think most of these players, if you think uh, at, at the levels that you play when you're a youth, You'll, most most of the players that are now playing fullback or centre half for clubs probably were playing until their late teens as strikers in a lesser side. <laughs> and as soon as you start playing at a higher level, you kind of move back and back and back from the pitch. But unless you have that talent for scoring goals, playmaking in this sense that we're talking about, coached out of you, you you almost do have uh, a team of players that can do more in an attacking and certainly offensive. Um, sense than just sort of all out clobbers in your back line and things so it's, it's it, the theory is sound I think because what he's trying to bring to Spezia yeah I mean Italian Vincent he's, he's 43 born in Germany as well Mr. Mr. Italian which is interesting there's a lot of those that I always forget about but he's one of the most exciting coaches in Serie A right he's got to be up there in the in the same bracket as Gasparini and Juric to an extent He's not far behind in terms of excitement anyway. Um, Milan, Vito, I, I don't know what we're allowed to say about Milan because last time they lost and we said it wasn't a crisis, we got slaughtered for it, but it's just a defeat, right? They've got a perfect opportunity to bounce back in the derby next week. Yeah, well, I do expect uh, Milan not to drop off drastically, but uh, this uh, defeat against Spezia was uh, easily their worst performance of the season, and largely because they couldn't uh, hit the target for the first time since I think it would have been when Gianpaolo made his debut last season in Sudanese. I don't think Milan hit a target in that game. That was the game. That was the game. That was the game, yeah. Yeah. Not surprising. But, uh, look, uh, it's games like this. Milan shouldn't be disheartened because they have been consistent throughout the season. Um, 
I did think the Atalanta result was a bad one, but Atalanta have been sensational for the last four to five years. So on their day, they are uh, unstoppable. And uh, yeah, with this Spezia one, again, it's just more Italiano. He just provided a coaching masterclass. And I looked at the La Gazzetta ratings. Um, only Providel got a low rating. He got a six and he was given as the lowest vote, not the worst on the pitch for Spezia. Whereas everyone had between seven or an eight. Italiano actually got an eight out of 10. And Kevin Ogudello, who functioned as a false nine, he was given uh, an eight out of 10. He was involved in the first goal. And um, sometimes I thought he was playing at his own pace. And one time he tried to walk the ball into the net. So I think it shows that Spezia really had a great day. And Milan, because of that, um, we saw them at the worst. At the same time, uh, the Milan derby will be a big game. So I think uh, that game will be more about the pride, city pride that is, and also the psychology, you know, wanting to reinstate top status. And if they can do that against the city rivals, I'm sure they'll be getting a massive throw out of that come next week. If any, um, if any Milan fans are struggling to sleep this weekend, just remember, you won the contest between the two sides, 3-2 on aggregate. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stefano Pioli said after this game that this is the first game Milan have deserved to lose this season. Kev, is he all right? Does he not remember the Atalanta game? It was about two weeks ago. Uh yeah, they weren't they weren't they weren't great. Um but they weren't they weren't terrible. There were there were there were points of this that I've watched where they were they were truly offering nothing at all. Um The so only yeah, thing probably, they offered in the Atalanta game was Ibra's quotes. Yeah. Um and arguably I suppose that's worse because they're at home. I know it's not in front of any fans mm. at the moment, but um yeah, I don't know. I suppose football. Yeah, let's give him some credit. Football comes at you so fast. You just, I suppose, you just want to get out of the press conference as quickly as you yeah. could, and just. Uh, it's better than him saying, "Oh, we deserve to win," which other coaches over the years have done. I'm thinking of a certain Mr. Mourinho, who probably would have just, you know, dug deeper and just gone, "No, no, we, we you know, <laughs> we should have won. <laughs> One should have bounced in off our knee." Uh, uh, I yeah. prefer. I prefer really not to speak. Because if I speak, I'm in big trouble, Kev. Big trouble. Um, anyway, look, we have received an email. And if you do want to get in touch with us, the best way is probably by email. Um, send it on to Forza Italian Football at snack-media.com. Stephen Curtin did exactly that. And he has a task for us. Firstly, he does the usual by saying thanks for the podcast, guys. So thanks to you two for spending your Sunday evenings with me. I, I should extend that too. But curiously, he says... Listening to this podcast has made him start watching Italian football more. Why did he listen to this before doing that? It should be the other way around, right? But uh, to each maybe, their own. Uh, maybe he hasn't got a subscription for any of the channels that show yeah, Serie quite A. So he thought, oh, I'll have a listen, see if it's any good, and then, I'll, uh, <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll get a subscription. I hope he didn't listen last week because, I mean, we didn't exactly do it a great service then. But anyway, he, he goes on. He says he's from Cork, down the south of Ireland. Um, no comment on that. But he says, thanks for all the information. And he wants to know if we could pick him an Italian, or more specifically a Serie A team, to support. 
So before I get into to my thoughts on this, given I've a little bit more background on Cork and the League of Ireland, if he's into that, he didn't actually say. But Kev, Vito, if you can forget about your allegiances, do you have any clubs that you would like to bring forward into the argument for, for Stephen to look out for? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, well, I, I think you're going you're gonna to say the one that I thought of anyway because I, okay. I, I, I jokingly threw out Genoa there, but... Um, Knowing that that Cork was by water, shall we call it? Because it's not technically sea. I suppose it's a river, and that they are known as the the Rebel County. Mm. I uh, I threw out Napoli, and then I did some further reading actually, and heard that Cork apparently is the the culinary capital of uh, of Ireland. Don't know where you heard Try, that from. Well, Google tells me that. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, the pizza's pretty good in Naples. So everything's, everything's sort of edging towards Napoli for me. All right. Uh, Vito, have you any thoughts? Oh, not too much. Just as I was saying in our Slack chat earlier, I was saying I thought you'd try and convert him into being another Atalanta supporter, especially considering the timing. This is one of uh, Atalanta's greatest periods in their history, get another Irishman on board, so why not? Look, obviously anyone coming to Italian football should support Atalanta. That goes without saying, right? But I think people will just get bored of me saying that. It's quite the obvious answer. 
So with that in mind, Stephen, I do think Napoli are your team, right? The club from the south, similarly to Cork, they've had their fair share of off-field problems. They've got a great supporter base, just like Cork City do. They've had to almost refound in the lower divisions, just like Cork have. So yeah, and they've got an airport that you can fly to and eat some of the best food in Italy, and the weather's not bad either, and the Amalfi Coast is quite close by. So yeah. Naples, Napoli, do it. They're your team. Anyway, on to the next one, guys. We've got Napoli, right? Napoli played Juve at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. I'm still not used to it, Kev. And they won 1-0. It was your match for FIF this weekend. It was a Lorenzo Insigne penalty that won it for Napoli. And fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I wrote in my, my match report an, an uneventful first half. And when you probably look at the entire 90 minutes, you could probably throw that sort of term at the game. But I found myself sit, sat here, sadly, sat here and nowhere near it. Um, feeling quite sort of tense. And it, it had that feeling about it. There was a sort of attention to the game. Obviously, there was only one goal in it. Um, came after about 30 minutes. Stupid from Chiellini on his 400th Serie A appearance. Um, the scream, which you did get to hear <laughs> with no fans in the stadium from Rachmani, was astonishing. Oh my God. <laughs> um, instantly sort of made you lift your head from wherever you were. And I think probably also kind of helped the referee in his decision. I think it was a penalty. I think Chiellini... You think? This... Well, okay, yeah, it's definitely a penalty. I think... The, thing, the one thing that you... I think he has a, a quick look that a lot of the cameras don't pick up behind him. And he clearly knows there's a man there. So he's sort of throwing his arm back to try and put him off or whatever. And then probably doesn't it doesn't want to actually make contact with kind of the... Uh, between his wrist and his palm in Rachmani's face. Um, but as soon as the noise goes up, you know Vars going to take a look at it. Insigne obviously missed in the Supercoppa Italia, which I also mm. referenced for, so for him to sort of step up and, and take an excellent penalty. Um, the only thing you thought, because as soon as Juve came out for the, the second half, there was a lot more urgency about them trying to find the goal, and Napoli rode it out a little bit towards the end. But yeah, there was a there was a there was a tension about it that would have not been out of sort of place in the last couple of years. You know, one thing in 2018 mm. when they had the sort of total challenge between the two sides, which you kind of didn't expect because Napoli were missing Bali, Napoli was missing Merton. So again, more credit to them for, for getting over the line. Why was Chiellini not sent off? Uh, yeah, well, I think... <laughs> he, just, he just smacked them in the face, right? And if the Ligt does that, you think, ah, okay, he didn't know what he was doing. Chiellini knows what he's doing. Yeah, I don't want to make this about Juventus, but I think in a lot of leagues, you see decisions going, or the benefit of the doubt, should we say, rather than decisions going towards the the, the traditional powers within those leagues. Mm. So let's leave leave the Juventus out of this, but just that, that, that is generally how it goes, I think, with with football. And I think it has done for decades. It's not a new VAR phenomenon or anything like that. It's just, it's just how football has been for, for eons. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. I'm sorry, Juve fans. Come at me. It's about time you came back. It's been a while. Anyway, Vito, this was a strange game because both teams early on kind of just bypassed their midfields. It was as if they weren't playing with anyone in that part of the pitch. And 
I mean, Juve dominated. They probably should have won, but never really looked like they were going to. Cristiano Ronaldo is still taking free kicks for some strange reason. He had a couple. And there wasn't too much else, right? Morata had a goal that was not given because it was a, an illegal goal. I can't remember what the incident was, offside or something. But Killini was offside. Killini was offside, right? But it's a disappointing loss for them. And it, it gives Napoli and Gennaro Gattuso more specifically potentially a new lease of life. I think it does because there has been speculation that um, Gattuso could be getting sacked. And uh, in an up, in one of the news articles I wrote for FIF recently, one of the former players and a former player of both uh, Napoli and Juventus, and for the Milan fans, yes, he is a Milan legend, Jose uh, <laughs> Altofini. Yeah, his best games were with Milan. He was leading goal scorer in the European Cup in 62-63 and scored the win in the final. So hold your horses. Yeah, Altafini did say that Napoli were getting worse under Gattuso. So those were pretty damning comments. And to get a win like this, I think is pretty incredible. Uh, when you look at the game, especially that second half, Milan, uh, Napoli were set up to defend. And they defended in numbers and they defended very well. I think I even saw the forwards. They were even retreating into their own half to limit the space for Juve. Juve were being forced to the wings. Uh, they weren't getting much through the middle. And even whenever they got breached, uh, Alex Merritt stood up. Uh, he was fantastic. And uh, it goes to show, once again, Italy still have an incredible one of goalkeepers to choose from. And uh, this conundrum with David Ospina and him, um, yeah, it's uh, not easy to juggle. But uh, when Merritt's on form, he's a fantastic young goalkeeper. I agree. I think Merritt's the better goalkeeper. He's young. He's going to make mistakes. I think you just have to stick with him. Let him make his mistakes. He's he's not going to be making a mistake every week. He might make a couple over the course of the season, but just stick with him because he's a real, real talent. On to the next one. Unfortunately, we're, we're going to Sardinia where Atalanta played Cagliari and for the third season in a row, they won 1-0 at the Sardinia Arena. This this game can't be spoken about until we address the elephant in the room of the Italian broadcasting world, which is, this is a game that everybody looks forward to every single season because the scoreboard reads C-A-G-A-T-A, which is Cagata, which means something similar to shit, bullshit, along those lines in English. Every year it happens. People laugh about it. There's posts on Twitter. Kev... I see. I hadn't. I hadn't grasped this. <laughs> but, but very weirdly, I was watching the UK broadcast, obviously, and mm. they used two characters instead of three for both sides. Yes. Well, this is why. And I didn't realize. Obviously, I suppose they're picking up their their mm. feed from the the Italian. It threw me for a second. I kept looking. I wondered why. I'm, you know, I've got Spezia Milan just running in the background because it's on, and they're using three characters. I didn't realize that's what it was. I, I feel. I feel enlightened. I feel I've learned something on what is still the 14th of February. Well, there you go. They didn't want shit written in the top corner of the screen, basically. But it, it's taken them a fair, a fair old time to pitch. work it out. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, right? And I said this. I, I, I almost said in my match report that 
they should have just left that written up at the top of the screen because it's very much what we were watching on the pitch. I I managed to annoy Atalanta Twitter this weekend, Kev, which I have to admit is a first for me. Um, but I, I thought Atalanta were dreadful. They did nothing for about 83 minutes and they got three chances late on and the best substitute the world of football has ever seen. Lewis Muriel made the difference again, but this was poor. Yeah, it, it was... Um, well, I, you know, I... I, I kind of try and make notes during the games that I'm watching just so I don't forget anything and I actually wrote down has anything happened in the first 60 minutes and my only other note is oh Regani plays for Cagliari because I <laughs> <Yeah>. completely <laughs> I think he might have got booked and I completely missed that as well but yeah there was um the, the, then sort of as the, in the latter stages it was just I wrote down both sides are desperate and it was Atalanta from attacking an attacking perspective. Everything they were kind of doing going forward looked desperate. You know, they they weren't the passes weren't necessarily finding their intended target, and Calorie would look desperate and defending for their lives. And actually, I didn't see a goal coming. I think I know on about eighty five minutes, the patter hit the bar of a header. But again, you thought, ah, that's probably the chance gone. And it's just that that little bit of quality from Muriel that. That sort of stole the game. Well, I say you can't really use the term "stole the game" because no, I because think Calgary did. didn't. Yeah, but Calgary didn't deserve anything. I suppose Neither it stole it from Atlanta. a draw. I think both, yeah, Atalanta didn't deserve three points, and Calgary didn't deserve more than one. But you could argue they deserved the point. Yeah, no, that's fair. So yeah, so they stole the, they stole the, the three points really because because a draw would have been would have been fair. But and and then you had the penalty decision at the end, which I don't think was a penalty, but it was. Mm. Di Francesco looked oh. mad that it didn't mm. get given, but it's one of those that I don't really want to be want to have seen if it's if it's going either way, really. But yeah, I said it game. half jokingly, Kev, but Lewis Muriel is the best substitute in the history of any sport. Uh, well, I won't uh, comment on any Name sport. A better I think, one. <laughs> uh, well, I just I, there's a there's a there's a real knack particularly in, I suppose, a team sport that you play for so long, because I suppose you could be a substitute in, say, a 100 metres race, but you start from exactly the same position as everybody else. So where you've got to pick up the pace of something, I suppose. And, and, uh, and yeah, he, he does that perfectly. He absolutely does. You cut off your sentence a little bit too early because I was actually looking for a statistic and I didn't quite have the time to find it before you... Stop speaking, Kev. So I'm quite disappointed that you stopped when you did, but I've found it now. So here we go. Luis Muriel has scored 35 goals for Atalanta, right? And he's he's made seven assists. Guess how many times he's played in 90 minutes? He's uh, played 70 matches, I should say. 70 matches, okay. 35 goals. How many times has he played in 90 minutes? 25 games or under. It's It's way under. Oh, 14? Way under. Wow. So we in the did single figures? On a hand, mate. He's played 90 minutes wow. twice. And he's, he's got a record of one goal in two games. That's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. But I don't know. Anyway, Vito, it, we, we saw quite a familiar problem with Atalanta in that they were, they're playing a lesser team who set up to frustrate them and at large did frustrate them. We've seen it countless times over the last 18 months in particular, but they got the win and Atalanta have 
40 points after 22 games. Last season was their best ever season, and they had 39 points after 22 games. What's going on? Well, it's, I'll be honest, it's hard to put into words now because we've just seemed to be running out of superlatives for this Atalanta team. And uh, they're pretty much uh, in a similar kind of uh, position to what they have been in the past. And they're doing it with the same philosophy that they've been implementing. Uh, I think uh, what's been incredible in recent weeks, though, is that they're still able to keep this form up without uh, the talisman Papu Gomez, who's been sold to Sevilla. Um, he was just such a fundamental part to Gasparini's Atalanta. And sometimes in teams, even if you have a system in place, just one piece goes missing and it goes it just falls apart. Um, at this stage, Atalanta don't look like they're falling apart. And uh, they have brought in some uh, good acquisitions as well. So I think it's a testament to Atalanta's recruiting team to fill such an important void. Vito, why have you brought up Papu Gomez? Oh, because he was just so important. I know it's uh, on, on getting Valentine's to you. Valentine's Day as well. <laughs> of oh. today of all days. <laughs> Do you know what I did? Do you know what I did, guys? Do you know Side what I did? Card. No, the Wolverine you know photo? The no, no, Slip, no. Slipped, slipped into his DMs. No, no, no. That, 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 that just, just, just underwear picture of Connor Clancy. No, no, no. Um, so when he signed for Sevilla, I was, I was lured onto the club shop, the, the Sevilla club shop, and the, their football shirts are seventy-five euro. I thought it was a bit steep, um, but they, they were offering Papu's name on the shirts for, for free. Every other player was was 10 euro for the name and number, but Papu's was free. And I thought, hmm, I'm tempted by that. But it's 75 euro for a team that I'm not the fan of, so I'll leave it. Went on to, to Twitter today, Valentine's Day, and I saw Sevilla had a Valentine's Day special, which was they were selling their red shirt at half price. And the promotion to get Papu's name for free was still valid on the half price shirt. So guess what I did? <laughs> wasted your mind I did yeah, yeah I did look it's an emotional day it's difficult for everybody and it was before Atalanta played so I, I needed to fill a void in my heart why not Vito exactly you're exactly right but I have a new Valentine this year and it's it's Lucho Muriel and I would give him the world if I could speaking of shirts you know where we're going with this we're not going to talk about the kits for this particular game. But Kev, as FIF's newly appointed fashion correspondent, I wanted to bring to your attention something that I had noticed, I think maybe about two weeks ago now, but Atalanta have new pre-match gear. And mm, I'm not so sure about it. Firstly, can you describe what it is? And secondly, can you give your opinion? I, I would call it understated casual wear. Uh, and, and actually, I don't. I don't mind it. Um, Would you wear it? I, um, I probably. So there's a. So so you being 27, as you told the listeners earlier, you probably still feel comfortable buying football shirts and wearing them about town. Mm. As a man approaching 40, I have probably moved away from football shirts. 
certainly out in public and move towards let's say the 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 training top or the jacket with a subtle maybe manufacturer's logo and uh you know a club crest and actually your christmas jumper was very fetching because of that very reason it was understated you could barely sort of see it was an atalanta atalanta jumper so i quite like that so for the the older supporter that wants to not have to wear this what is quite odd say black and white clear football shirt with a sponsor and everything plus all over it i think i think why not it's 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 quite nice it's quite subtle and uh yeah I, i i don't mind it i think they're helped by the fact that they've probably got the most aesthetically pleasing team in Serie A. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful men in that team, right? But they wheeled out in in the pictures they put up for, for this particular game. Sam Lammers was wearing it. Matteo Pessina. I mean, two of the best looking players in Serie A. Uh, Ruslan Malinovsky was also pictured walking out onto the pitch. But even they don't seem to be pulling this off. However, glorious Pierluigi, I think he's the only one who pulled it off because he had a different type of jacket on and it worked. So... If you're looking to get people to model your gear, forget about the the attractive Atalanta players. Just get Golini in it. It'll look great. He'll add a little twist to it. And Golini had his um blue and black Nike shoes, which complemented it very nicely indeed. Yeah, the, the problem also with a lot of uh, sort of sportswear that you see on a sportsman. Not a lot of us that follow sport yeah. <laughs> have a sportsman's figure, <laughs> you know, all all getting a little round around the mid area. Um, so you have to wear it a little bit more loose fitting than you'd like. No, um, you're you're dead right. You're dead right. And like I said, I mean, this Atalanta team, Robin Gosens looks like a model when he's got his mask on. That's he's a he's a ridiculous specimen, but. That's a conversation for another day, I think. On to another team who I'm constantly surprised are in the top four, Vito. You covered this game for us this week. Roma, they played Udinese. They won 3-0. Largely because of Jordan Veratou. He he laid the foundations for the win. Um, He did get the two goals, but I think overall he was very impressive, very influential in their play. And um, in field around... He made a lot of direct runs, was comfortable on the ball, played a good pass. Um, and, uh, you know, he seemed like, uh, although he did um, get those two goals, he looked like he could have provided a few assists himself. But uh, I think sometimes sometimes he just knew, um, well, sometimes the Udinese defence would still have enough numbers back. So even though they were trailing, um, I think the Zebrete only really waited until the second half to really pose a greater threat on the Roma's goal, and uh, um, they weren't able to find the back of the net. Uh, Roma, uh, okay, Virtu was the standout, but I think uh, Roma overall uh, were clearly much better and should have won by more. The second, the second goal from Virtu, though, from the penalty spot, was absolutely terrible. I, I've watched it back maybe five or six times, and I still can't believe that the referee's given a foul. Um, not only does I think it's Mkhitaryan who has a yeah, sort Mkhitaryan. of attempted shot and just jumps up and I, I still can't see where the contact comes with the keeper unless I've not seen the angles that they were using for VAR and I think the only thing that reduced my anger at it 
was that Vertu then scored what was going to be his hat-trick goal and that got ruled out for what was not really much of a much of a foul by Mkhitaryan or Pedro in the build-up. So kind of the the world balanced itself out again for me, but uh, oh, it was it was just ridiculous. And that's the world we're living in. <laughs> I I don't think it was that bad because the way uh, the way what's his name uh, Juan Musa was sliding out to get the ball. I thought, yeah, it was a bit of contact. You can see in I think the modern game and. I suppose Italian get, football gets singled out a fair bit about it with these kind of sort of challenges or when a player does spill contact and falls, they do milk it out more than what's necessary. And I think that doesn't help things either. I don't I don't think it's necessary Italian football. And I don't think it's it's even the milking it from the player that's going down. I think the thing that annoys me is that they 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 obviously the ball's coming over and when you look at what they do with the ball when they get it, it's like they don't even they they choose to try and get the penalty then have a legitimate attempt on goal. Because if they've had a legitimate attempt on goal, it's one of those where you it's a bit like the the strike that's going so far into Rosette that it struck somebody's elbow. And in before VAR and before, you know, probably everything else they last a decade ago, the referee uses common sense where the strike isn't even going on target. So it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter that they were two centimetres inside the line and it's hit a slightly outstretched elbow. The ball is going so far off target, it's a bit like the whole, um, it gets given as an own goal if the strike was anywhere roughly on target, even though he's hit it from 30 mm. yards and it's taken a deflection. So the, the Mkhitaryan, to me, doesn't make any chance. He just sort of chips it up into the air and then tries to slow his run or whatever, make sure there's some contact because the goalie has come out stupidly, I admit. But it's like they don't even make a legitimate attempt because they've, you know, they've decided that what they need to do there is just try and win a foul or a penalty if they're in the area. And it just, oh, it's just that's what frustrates me more than that the referee gives it or VAR picks it up. It's that the the, the player is now thinking of that first before yeah. they're thinking of getting a shot. I, I actually do agree with you on that. And you could see Rodrigo De Paul was trying to make the point. He was like, he he dived this way. You could see De Paul was even yeah. imitating. If, if he goes this way, how are his legs not going to be there? Mm. I, I, I completely agree. I don't think that should be a penalty. There was a similar one, although I think this probably was a, a foul when when Timo Werner went through for Chelsea the other week and he knocked the pass that got you thought, right, you could have probably gone around him yourself, but you've tried to win a penalty and maybe get the keeper sent off or something. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Well there we go. There we go. Anyway, we're gonna fly through the next few games. We're not gonna spend too much longer at all because we've not got a lot more time to go. Sampdoria beat Fiorentina 2-1 veto. Good result. Yeah, good result. And uh, as we were discussing amongst ourselves on Twitter before this, <laughs> Can- Antonio Candreva kept his word. And uh, yeah, um, the finish from Quayarella to win it, just nice and calm. And through that defence, it was like a knife through butter. Very smooth. Typical Wait, man so you're, t- class. you're telling me Fabio Quayarella scored veto? Indeed. Right, we we got to get the counter up on this. What's that? Is eighth of the season? Ooh, uh, don't know. Now I'm missing <laughs> me over me. Kev, you getting nervous? Uh, <laughs> hey, I told you on a previous pod. If I'm buying you dinner somewhere, 
it means I've been able to leave the country and I am more than happy to pay for two dinners. Yeah, I know. But look, I've got to bring it up every time he scores. So yeah. I just have to. What's that? Eight, eight in 22. So I think he's only... He's not played 22 games. Will you stop? Uh, well, yeah, I know. But he, there's, you know, just in... If, he's, if he then has the same... If he misses the same amount of games or whatever in the end of the season, you know, it's going to go close. It's going to go to the wire. He needs five more goals and there's mm. half the season left. And he's got eight in twenty. Eight and twenty. So he's averaging just under one in two. Yeah. So and there's sixteen yeah. games left. So he's gonna get another eight more. So don't you worry. Uh, don't you right worry. Now. Kev, Bologna Benevento one one. Um You've nothing to say. No, not really. I'd All right, I'll throw another one at you. Crotone Sassuolo. Sassuolo one two one in Calabria. Uh <laughs> Unis, <laughs> what a lovely goal. Oh, yeah, that was a goal. beautiful goal, though. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal. But, um, yeah, ultimately, Chichu Caputo, the difference maker again, assisting for Domenico Berardi and uh, scoring their winning goal from the penalty spot. So, hopefully, he starts scoring regularly again and uh, gives a bit of uh, competition for the national team to Chiro Immobile and Andrea Bellotti. Absolutely so, right. Sounds like he's in Vito's team of the week. <laughs> he's in the running. Well, so far it's Lukaku and Ogadella in attack. Well, Cheech was the third. There you go. Um, Torino Genoa, mm. nil, nil. I watched this because I thought it was going to be good. And it started out okay. But it wasn't as good oh. as I thought it was going to be, unfortunately. Kev, did you watch this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, and and with this, my, my, my only note is... Well, actually, I say I watched it. My only note for the entire game is started watching 40 which is just to let myself know that I didn't see the first 40 minutes, but I didn't make any other notes. And uh, Torino were marginally better without deserving anything. Andrea Bellotti deserves more, doesn't he? Yeah, yes. yeah, but not from not from Torino, <laughs> from another club. Yeah, absolutely He deserves right. more from his agent. Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's having a kid. See that? What, his agent? He's well, with his a, agent. Uh, Il Gallo's having a, a little galina very soon, a little, which is nice. Um, a little rooster. Absolutely. A little, little oh, rooster. We, we should say Verona Palma are playing on Monday night. We kind of deliberately recorded the podcast on Sunday night, so we didn't have to watch that um, because I've been put through enough misery, misery from those crociati this season. So any opportunity to not watch them is, is welcomed. Um, that's all the football, guys. I feel like there's something missing that I didn't address, but it, other than the game, obviously. But I don't think there is. So it's time for the game. Who won last week? I won last week. Did you? I nearly said Kevin. I don't know why I was going into that. <laughs> Did, all right, Zlatan. <laughs> yeah. Did you win last week? I did, yes. So does that mean you go first? I can't remember anymore. It's been so long since uh, yeah, someone I, else won. I, I, yeah, I think I go first. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got my player. Okay. So let me get the timer up. I nearly forgot it. The timer. How many minutes do we put on this? Two minutes. Your two minutes. Oh, we got it in. It was in one minute and 57 seconds last week, by the way. Oh, Try to do better this week. Um, your time starts now. Is it Bruno Alves? It's not Bruno Alves, no. What a waste. What a waste. Visa, over to you. Is this player foreigner? The player is foreign, yes. Uh, does this player play for a club that's north of Rome? 
Uh, the player does play north of Rome. Yeah, okay. Um, is it a player from a club in Lombardia? No, this club do not play in Lombardia, unfortunately. Kev, it's yours. Uh, do they play for even Milan side? Kev, they do not play in Lombardia, oh, which shit, is sorry. Milan and Bergamo. I'll give yeah, you a second sorry. chance. Go. Oh, okay. Do they play in Turin? They don't play in Turin, you muppet okay. Vito. Do they play in Emilia-Romagna? They do play in Emilia-Romagna, yes. <sighs> is it a Parma player? Yeah, they play for Parma. Okay. Is it a defender? Halfway in. Um, no, the player is not a defender, Kev. We're into the second minute now. Have they played for Parma yet? Yeah, they've played for Parma. Oh. I was tempted to go for Graziano Pella, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, it's not a defender. Is it Yuri uh, Kuchka? It is not Yuri Kuchka because he's too good for this game. Okay. Vito. Okay. Is it a forward? The player is a forward. Is it Jovinho? I feel by calling is him a Jovin- player. But yes, it is Jovinho. One minute and 27 wow. seconds. Vito, congratulations. You're back. Thank you. Wow. On a uh, on a on a day like today, mm. uh, I'm surprised you show someone that you've got so much disdain for. But there you go. I'm not very happy today. <laughs> I, I know, like all the results, mean I should be happy. But after that <laughs> Atalanta game, I was the angriest I've been in about two weeks. I'd say, <laughs> other than when I was at the Tardini last week, I was annoyed, <laughs> very annoyed. But anyway. Do we I'd have anything else to say? Right now. Would you? Yeah, I'd take anything at the moment. I'll send <laughs> you my accreditation next time. <laughs> they don't check my ID anymore, so you're safe. Yeah, I think <laughs> I can pull off. I think I can pull off a 27 year old Irishman. <laughs> Mate, I'm not. I don't look at. So I think you'd be all right. I think yeah. you'd be all right. Maybe, um, maybe on, maybe on today of all days, some 27 year old Irishman are being pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family podcast, Kevin. Not this time of night. Oh, not, it's <laughs> this... not live, mate. They're oh, not listening yeah. to it live. Um, <laughs> I mean, we were talking about Kagata earlier. It's, it's safe. <laughs> um, all right. Any more for any more, guys? Are we all good? Oh, good. Vito Doria, say goodbye as I yawn into the microphone. <laughs> goodbye. Kev, what have you got for us this week? <laughs> Say goodbye, mate. Double senya. Goodbye from me. It's your face when you say it. It's your face. My <laughs> Polish roots. Guarda questa 
curva questa festa popolare Senti il grido che ti spinge avanti, che ti fa volare Questo è un grido di rapaci, questa è spezia, che ne dici? Qui si sente un coro solo, quello delle nostre voci E si va, si va con i nostri colori dentro ad ogni città Noi si va, si va, siamo uccelli predatori, siamo aquile, si sa Queste ali e questi artigli Era un covo di pirati e noi siamo i loro figli Guarda non ti puoi sbagliare Stiamo sotto le bandiere Che hanno un'aquila nel centro E sono bianche e sono nere Si va, si va I nostri colori dentro ad ogni città Noi si va, si va Siamo uccelli predatori Siamo aquile, si sa Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 